SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast. I am your host as always, Brian Stone, joined by my co-host as always, Matt Miguez. Matt, say hello to everybody at home. What's going on, Sunbelt Nation? Brian, excited to talk some Sunbelt football, man. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll actually see how excited you are to talk about your Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Uh, you know, to open up the Week 7 slate of games this past Wednesday, they faced off with Coastal Carolina. Uh, you know, going back to last week's preview, you and I both knew Coastal was going to be a problem uh in this game and we're going to keep it closer than the uh the spread indicated but coastal ends up banging through a last second field goal uh with about what four seconds or something left to play uh it, chanticleers end up coming away with the win going four and oh this season matt talk a little bit about your cajuns talk a little bit about this game just in general you know but before i get into us i want to give all the credit to coastal carolina because I mean, that, that was a phenomenal football team. Um, you know, Jamie Chadwell has them coached well. Grayson McCall, even in his youth, I mean, God, the kid's a red shirt freshman, but he's an incredible leader on the field. He, he makes the right decisions. You know, he, he's going to be a problem for some belt defenses for the next three or four years. Um, so, you know, definitely all credit to them. And, you know, on our side, man, I I hate to say this, but we kind of beat ourselves. I mean, six penalties for 50 yards, dropped passes, um, you know, missed blocking assignments, running the wrong route, just little things that are easy to fix is what really, you know, ended our chances of winning this football game. Uh, so, you know, as, as much as of, of a positive as that is, because it's easy to fix, it's also a huge negative because, well, God, if you've taken care of it, you know, four days ago, mm-hmm. I might've won the football game. Yeah. Um, so, so when I go through and kind of look at this game, I have a couple of questions for you as someone who, you know, obviously weekly you're keeping up with Louisiana a lot closer than I am. Um, you know, like we said, you know, we knew coastal was going to be an issue coming into this game. They've been pretty much on fire since the season started and have, uh, you know, been playing some good football. From you guys' end of things, as I, as I kind of go through the box scores here, are you a little worried that and, – and this is just me taking a look at the box score. I watched most of this game, but I was kind of tuned out for some of it. Are you worried at all that a little bit of you guys' offense is too much predicated on Levi Lewis making plays both with his arm and his legs? No, I- <sighs> Yes and no, and I'm, I'm going to start with the no. What, what, why, why I'm not worried is, and I believe this wholeheartedly when I say this, we have some of the best running backs in the entire country. But I think the problem is, is that last year, we had to depend so much on our running backs 
that now this year teams have it figured out. You know, they, they know, you know, especially at the beginning of the game where the ball's going. So they learned to take out the running backs pretty quickly. And then, you know, now what do we do? Which mm-hmm. is which is what you've been seeing with, you know, Levi trying to do more than he probably should be. So, you know, it's a it, it's a difficult thing to, to try to balance, but you know, I'll, I'll say this, Levi Lewis is one of the most elusive quarterbacks I have ever seen. This is going to be a crazy comparison. Some people might call it a hot take. He reminds me a lot of Michael Vick. Do you do you want to hear my comparison for Levi Lewis? And this is this is me having watched him for multiple games. Uh, it's his size, even the way he releases the football reminds me a lot of Kyler Murray. Yeah. And it's it's like he has that quick like wrist action release that Kyler Murray has, and he's just as uh, capable behind the line of scrimmage scrambling and making plays as Murray is. So, I I mean, you know, looking at it from a Louisiana perspective, uh, and and we'll get into the coastal side of things because this was a huge win for their program. Um, You know, you, you mentioned, you know, running the football. When you look at it from a stats perspective, these are some real champagne problems you guys have because you ran for 236 yards as a team almost eight yards a carry and you know a lot of a lot of sunbelt teams would kill to have these kind of problems absolutely <laughs> with the personnel that we have uh, and i know I, I sound horrible saying this 236 isn't good enough now now i want to ask you this how much of this could go on your defense a lot of it a lot of it could but also a lot of a lot of that has to go to Coastal Carolina's ability on offense. Because, I mean, I I knew coming into this, our defense could play their best game. Coastal's still going to score points. You know, they're going to find a way to put points on the board. So, no, our, our, our defense did not play close to its best game. But... I from from the from the beginning I expected a you know I was thinking a 38-31 kind of football game. So this wasn't far off from what I from what I expected to see out of this one. Yeah, I mean we we both knew offensively and and just as a as a whole Coastal's team is looks like a wagon in the uh in this Sunbelt East this year. Um you know, coming from a guy uh, in in myself who's a fan of a Sunbelt East team, this side of the division looks like it's going to be decided on November twenty first when they play at. Um, I mean, I I don't the way that Georgia Southern season's been going, I don't see them contending uh, with the Coastals and Apps of the world. Now, that's not to say they can't upset one of those teams but from a week-to-week perspective they just don't have the level of consistency that these other two teams have so that's where that's kind of where my um my thought process lies now i tweeted this on wednesday and it adds salt to the wound knowing that georgia southern could have hired jamie chadwell back in 2016 and they didn't elect to and now it's coming back to bite them their offense looks like what I wanted Georgia Southern's offense to look like. Right. It looks like the continuation from the Willie Fritz 
era of Georgia Southern teams, there's a lot of pre-snap motion. You know, they go up tempo a lot. These are all things that I wanted to see out of my team, and I'm I couldn't be more impressed by the job that Chadwell has done in just sh- such a short span of time. Like last year, they were middle of the pack, couldn't figure out their quarterback situation. They ran the ball a lot, but they weren't super efficient with it. Now this year, Grayson McCall has just opened up an entire other dimension to this this football team offensively. Yeah. Uh, his ability to make plays with his feet is is something that's going to, like I said, like I said earlier, it's going to rattle a lot of a lot of defenses. It's going to give a lot of defenses trouble. I'm going to tell you this right now, man. November 21st, Coastal Carolina could very well win that football game. Yeah, because they get app at home as well. They could very well win that football game. If if there was a year to do it, this would be the year because I mean, you know, I would love I would love nothing more because I would love nothing more than to get a second chance at them. Well, this looks like the type of year where App looks vulnerable for the first time in a couple of years. Like this is. They, they, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just I was just gonna say this is in my opinion this is the weakest App State team since they've joined the Sun Belt. I, I wouldn't say that their 2014 team was really bad uh, when oh, yeah. when they had, their very first year. Yeah, when they had moved up and Satterfield was like in his first or second year coaching that team, they were bad, and it was it was mostly the job that the previous coach had done. He was kind of on the way out, and so I I think for the first time they didn't absolutely like kill the head coaching hire. I think they kind of pulled a Georgia Southern a little bit and just hired the guy that was closest to the program to try to keep him around a little bit. And instead of going out and, you know, kind of shooting for the stars with their head coaching hired, they just kind of hired someone who seemed safe at this point, like their offensive line coach. Sure. You know, that's fine. But with that, you know, we've seen them play teams like Marshall this year. They look uber conservative. Coastal looks like they're offensively out for blood at, for uh, on every in every game. And if App State shows up and just thinks they're going to run the ball forty five times and beat Coastal Carolina in Conway, they've got another thing coming. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Coastal Coastal is not the same football team they were last year, and I have a feeling that teams like App, teams like you know. Clearly, Arkansas State thought this way that it was mm-hmm. it was last year's Coastal Carolina program. Mm-hmm. You saw what happened to Arkansas State. Now, now that let me preface my previous comment. That's not to say that App can't beat this team, but they're not going to do it simply playing defense and running the ball a lot. They're going to have to let you know Zach Thomas do some stuff. Uh, whether that's get him more involved with his legs, let him throw the ball a little bit more. I mean, you're going to have to score 24 plus to beat Coastal. I, I just don't see anybody holding them under 28 points this year. Like, I think that's going to be about their average. So, I, I mean, credit to Coastal. Uh, you know, it's reflected they're they're now ranked. Uh, number 25 after last week's win over Louisiana. Uh, they moved to 4-0 in, in uh, their overall standings, 2-0 in conference play. Louisiana drops to 3-1, 2-1 in conference play. But with the West, they're very much still alive. Louisiana could run the table and, and win the rest of 
their their games. One hundred percent. I mean, you know, I, I was looking at it from a from a fan standpoint the other night, and as much as as much as this game angered me, I mean, you and I talked Wednesday night after the game. Um, all of our goals for this season are still intact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it sucks to lose, especially sucks to lose at home, but everything that we've set out to do as a program is still in front of us. So, you know, it could have, it could have been a loss that took us out of contention for the conference title or, you know, something like that. So I, if we were, if we were going to drop one, at least it was now. Absolutely. So, so let's move into the next game of the weekend, uh, Thursday, this past Thursday night, uh, a wild one in, uh, in Jonesboro, uh, Arkansas state defeats Georgia state 59, 52. Um, you know, Blake Anderson, the Red Wolves head coach, uh, decided that this defensive performance was so bad that he fired his defensive coordinator the next day. Um, David Dugan or David Duggan, I don't know how his name is pronounced 100%, lost his job after allowing 52 points to Georgia State. Uh, Arkansas State had three different passers, and I say passers intentionally, not quarterbacks, combined for 551 yards passing and eight touchdowns. And they won this game by seven. So what did you kind of see and take away from this game? I saw two fantastic offenses and two not very good defenses. And, I mean, that's kind of what I expected the game to be. It was going to be a shootout. You know, Lane Hatcher and Logan Bonner, were. I I thought they were going to combine for some crazy, you know, 500-yard number. Um, But, you know, talking about Arkansas State firing their defensive coordinator, you see, I find it kind of interesting that it happened after a win. However... I don't disagree with the decision. You're, you're four, you're four games, five games into the season. If you're Arkansas state and the last two contests that you have played in, you've given up 52 points in both of them. Mm-hmm. Coastal put 52 and then Georgia state put 52. I mean, against two conference teams, that's unacceptable. I don't care how good their offenses are. You know, you know, my question is, and I'm not as plugged into the Arkansas State program as uh, people are, other people are, and that's for obvious reasons, like I'm not inherently an Arkansas State fan. My question to them would be, what do you think Blake Anderson saw from last year's defense that was enough to keep their defensive coordinator around for this year? Because these are the exact same problems they had last year. Their offense was explosive. They threw for a ton of yards, couldn't stop anybody. You know, the the one game we highlighted in, in our previews for this year was that Arkansas State-Troy shootout that they had. Uh, I mean, this that this is the exact same game as that. Like you said last week, Coastal scores 52. Georgia State scores 52. You know, like like we said, this was a matchup of two really good offenses. Georgia State had the exact same problems last year as well. They could score points when Ellington was on, but they couldn't stop anybody. So if you scored points against them, you could take it all the way down to the wire. So I I don't know. It's another case of Georgia State's a weird team that gets up for some weeks, and then they'll just kind of roll over and let you kind of pet their belly like a dog some weeks. 
Um, and then Arkansas State, like like we said, they, their defense is just not good. I don't I don't really understand it. Yeah, um, you know, I think going back to your going back to your question, you know, last year was Dugan's first year on Blake Anderson's staff, so maybe he Blake Anderson saw it as you know the the first year slump, and then you know they'll bounce back. But clearly that did not happen because um, God, after, after after the performances I've seen at Arkansas State defensively, I think it's safe to say their defense has regressed from last season. I mean, as much as they can regress, they were they were bad last year. And I, I don't see, I mean, I don't know how much worse they are. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it's one of those things where well, it's well, like how much worse they are. Yeah, I mean, how much can you regress from bad? Right. You know? <laughs> it's really, like... Really bad, maybe? I don't know. Well, okay, so going back and looking at their, their stats from last year, their defense was 114th scoring out of 130 teams. They allowed 34 points per game. I, I mean, they can't be better than that, obviously, but... I, I understand it was his first year. At some point, especially if he's on the hot seat to the level where you're, you're going to cut him five games into the season, I, I think you just kind of have to cut ties after one year and say, listen, this was an experiment that didn't work. Right. But overall, looking through the rest of these box scores, uh, you know, Jonathan Adams uh, continues to tear up. Uh, defenses this year 15 catches 177 yards two touchdowns um for arkansas state dahu green nine catches 172 and, and two touchdowns um you know cornelius brown the fourth for georgia state played a lot better than i was and i have was expecting him coming into this year he's been pretty pretty dang good through two you know pretty tough sunbelt teams in arkansas state and louisiana yeah quads quads played well um you know, I, I always I, I thought, especially going into our contest with Georgia State, that that he was going to be, you know, one of those good young quarterbacks in the conference, and and that's exactly what he's been so far this year. I mean, for for the most part, he looks poised in the pocket. He makes the right decisions. Um, he's got all the intangibles athletically. And so, yeah, I mean, Sean Elliott's got a got a bright future at quarterback with uh, with Quad Brown for sure. My my main concerns with him coming into this year was just going to be his efficiency as a passer. Um, you know, he played some limited duty last year when you know Ellington was hurt, and uh, and he wasn't overly efficient. I think he completed something like thirty eight percent of his passes in two thousand nineteen. So that was my main concern for him. He's like I said, he's been really good through two really tough Sun Belt games. If his defense helps him out against you know you guys, Louisiana, or in this Arkansas State game, if they get him to stop, they win this game by a touchdown. It's just, this has kind of been their issue as well. You know, a lot of these Sunbelt teams just don't play a lot of good defense and, and it just ends up in a lot of shootouts. So, I mean, take the overs in the Sunbelt games. I don't I don't really know what to, to take away from this game outside of both teams can score. I have learned that recently. Always take the over. 
Yeah, especially when you see the overhanging around like sixty or so, that's like a that's like a golden number. Right, and then the other thing is, I, I've got a I've got a buddy who you know he he knows his way around the the betting odds and all that stuff. Um, Vegas is incredibly inexperienced in putting out the numbers for some belt teams or like lower tier in college football. And that's yeah. probably mostly because they just don't care. Well, you can make a killing, but if you, if you really tune in from week to week, like we do, because we're, we're fans of Sunbelt team. If you really tune in from week to week, you could make potentially a killing betting these games. Because like you said, they, even going back to last year, you know, when we were doing our, uh, unofficial Sunbelt podcast, we were we could have made a killing betting these games if betting was legal in the states we were in. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah, you can look at these lines and go, hmm. The, I, I don't I don't see what the over under for this Arkansas State Georgia State game was, but if you if you took a look at it, you'd be like, neither one of these teams play defense. This is easy. So. You don't bet a side, you just bet the total and and you can rake in some cash. Yeah, I can remember, you know, last season Louisiana won eleven games. Before the season, the over under on our win total I think was five and a half. I yeah, had, that was a joke. I had a friend call me, he said, dude, bet the mortgage. For but sure. You're you're gonna cash out on that one. Yeah, some of those win totals too are are pretty ridiculous coming into the year, especially when you know that like a team is capable of of making a run. Like if you believed in coastal at all coming into this year, I, I mean, I would have to look it up. I would I would probably say their win total coming into this year was probably like five and a half or six. So I, I mean, maybe even you, lower than that because they only won five games last year. Yeah, um, you know, like I said, if you believed at all that that um, Coastal could take that next step um, and and you know be able to to do these, uh, then I would say absolutely, uh, you can make a lot of money betting like overs in this conference because a lot of teams can't play defense. So good win for Arkansas State. They moved to three and two this season, one and one in Sunbelt play Georgia State. Um, you know, we kind of said this going into this game. This may be they may have kind of played themselves out of contention a little bit for the, the Sunbelt East. You know, this wasn't really expected to be a year where they um, competed for the, the conference title. Um but, you know, with two conference losses, the way that, you know, a, a team like Troy is playing, um, Georgia Southern is, is always hanging around App and Coastal in the East, I, I just don't see a way that they, they're able to uh, kind of make a run here. Yeah. Um, just really quick to put the button on what we were saying earlier, Coastal Carolina's win total, according to VegasInsider.com coming into this year, was four and a half wins. So they've tied that. Uh, they need one more win, and they would have crushed it. So <laughs> they, they, through four games, they're all, they've almost reached their win total yeah. uh, for, for the year coming in. Um, so getting into the Saturday uh, games, 
looking at it here, these may not be in chronological order. Uh, blame ESPN for that. Uh, South Alabama was able to come away with a 30-20 to 20 win over Texas State. Uh, Desmond Trotter made his return in this one and, and played fairly well. He was efficient through the air, 18 of 22, 187 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know – we knew kind of coming into this year, Texas State was going to have a rough year. We actually, I don't know if you saw this online, we had a little bit of pushback when we did our Texas State preview with uh, some fans saying that we were way off on our projections for Texas State this year. I mean, they've been more competitive, but they, I don't know what people expected us to say about this team. Right. I mean, I, I'm still I'm still a believer that they're they're better than the record shows because – Again, two games that they had won and just gave away. Um, so, yep. you know, yeah, they're, they're sitting at one and five. But like you said, they've been competitive in all six of their games. You know, they've they've played fairly good football. I mean, Brady McBride went 28 of 40, 260 and a touchdown. That's not a bad stat line. So I mean they're they're competing, they're playing good football. It's just they can't find a way to finish it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. So yeah, I mean I, I don't know what, what people were expecting when we made the comments that we made. I mean, were we saying that they were gonna win the conference? Like I think what people got upset about were was us before the year saying that they were probably going to be the worst team in the conference. And I mean, at this point, okay, we may have been off and said, you know, they were going to be worse than ULM. I mean, they're not. Yeah. But, sorry, sorry. They're the second worst team. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, they've been more competitive, but it hasn't resulted in more wins. So were we that far off when we kind of projected this year? I mean, they're the, they're the second worst team and the worst team I've been saying for weeks that they needed to leave the conference. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess we were way off then. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but looking further into this game, you know, Brady McBride played fairly well, uh, was pretty efficient, uh, completed almost three quarters of his pass attempts, 260 yards and a touchdown. The thing that really continues to hurt Texas State is, you know, no matter who's playing quarterback, whether it's McBride or Vitt, they, they really do struggle to run the ball most weeks. And it really hurts them because it, it doesn't add another dimension to their offense. You know, they, they put way too much on the quarterback, in my opinion, to go out and win them games. And that's kind of the reason if they can even it up and at least make running the ball like 40% of their offense, it would help a lot. Yeah. That, that, that's one of those, that that's one of those things where you, I mean, you just got to figure out what's, what's working. And, you know, I, I think, I think Brady McBride at quarterback is working for Texas State. You know, he's a young guy, so their mistake, mistakes are obviously going to be made. But, you know, looking at his efficiency, 28 of 40, man, that's 70%. You ask, you ask a quarterback to complete 70% of his passes, I mean, that's, that's an elite-level completion percentage. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where Texas State's grown, going through their growing pains. They're figuring yeah. out what works and what doesn't. And so, so to give a little bit of context about the running game, let me just put this out there for you. Calvin Hill is their leading rusher at 333 yards. They've just played their sixth game. Their leading rusher is averaging 50 yards on the ground per game. Yeah, that's not that's not anything special. And it's fine if they want to take a committee approach to this and and mix in, you know, guys like Brock Sturgis and Jamel Jeter, but neither one of those guys are overly efficient either. Right. Yeah, no, they're they're definitely they're definitely relying on the passing game. For sure. Uh, so going back to South Alabama a little bit, uh, Jalen Tolbert was their leading receiver in this one. Nine catches, 91 yards uh, and a touchdown. You know, Quan Baker, five catches, 43 yards and a score. This trio of Tolbert, Wayne and Baker, um, you know, if Trotter's out there, I, I believe Trotter is, overall is just a better quarterback than Lovertage. Um, you know, he's he's only played two games. He's kind of been dealing with an injury, but I think this South Alabama team can be legitimately dangerous if Trotter can stay healthy and stay out on the football. One hundred percent, Trotter. I, I don't want to take anything away from Lovertage. I mean, I think he's a he's a talented kid, but Desmond Trotter is, you know. Bar none, the the better quarterback. I think he's the better leader on the team as well. Um, thing, things work out well for South Alabama when Desmond Trotter's on the field. I mean, let, let, let's let's look at it this way: Desmond Trotter's played in two games that he played start to finish, mm-hmm. and won both of them. Yeah, and and in this one especially, you know, he completed eighty one point eight percent of his passes uh, at eighteen for twenty two. Um, so far this season, listen to this. So he played a little bit at the end of last year, right? Uh, he was a true freshman. Uh, last year he completed fifty seven percent of his passes. This year he's completing sixty seven percent of his passes. Like that's so much of an incredible job. I mean, for, that's such a jump for a guy who's like a true sophomore and is there, it should be their starting quarterback going week to week, provided he doesn't get injured. Right. Yeah, that, so, that's a major improvement. Yeah, absolutely. So South Alabama moves to 2-2 two and two with this win, 1-0 and oh in Sunbelt play. Texas State drops to 1-5, 1-2 in Sunbelt play. Um, continuing to go through these games, again, they may not be in chronological order. You can thank ESPN for that. Uh, Troy played a incredibly close game against Eastern Kentucky, which I caught the very end of Troy had to bury a 47 yard field goal at the buzzer, uh, in order to beat a FCS team in Eastern Kentucky, you know, uh, looking at this team, let me just pose this question to you. Eastern Kentucky's quarterback, Parker McKinney threw for 370 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. How concerned should Troy fans be that their defense is kind of falling into the same trap they fell into last year? Incredibly. In- insanely concerned. Because, I mean, w- without without that last drive, I mean, let's be honest, for basically the entire game, Eastern Kentucky had their number. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. 
I mean, it was it was twenty one. Troy had a twenty one to seventeen lead at halftime. I'm sorry, an FCS team should not be that close to you. As a as a Georgia Southern fan who watched them almost lose to Campbell, I'm just going to sit here in silence. And then you, well, come on, man, y'all were lo- y'all were missing a third of your roster. <laughs> yeah, but still. And then, you know, I'm looking at the fourth quarter score comparison. The only points Troy scored in the fourth quarter was the game-winning field goal. Yeah, I I just, you know, to allow 425 yards total to an FCS school, it has to be concerning considering, you know, let me take a look at Troy's schedule here. They get, they get a bunch of teams that can score points. Uh, the rest of their schedule is Arkansas State, uh, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, Coastal, and App. I mean, they played two teams in Middle Tennessee and ULM that they're going to beat, uh, but the rest of the teams can score. Well, I'll say all those teams that you just named can put up some serious points. Yeah, and and that's what they're going to have to contend with. I mean, maybe this was this was that trap game type thing where they just they kind of took their foot off the gas because they said that you know. Eastern Kentucky's an FCS team. We're not really concerned. And then by the fourth quarter, it was time to get concerned uh, because this Eastern Kentucky team, just for reference, week one lost to Marshall 59 to zero. So that should kind of tell you like maybe they're getting better overall or whatever, but like still you should be concerned if you're a Troy fan, I think defensively, especially. Yeah. I was about to say defensively and offensively more defensively, but yeah, I mean, the the fact that you can only scrape together a field goal in the fourth quarter of a game that was – you had an 11-point lead. You had an 11-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and you couldn't get one touchdown to put the game away. Yep. Concerning. Uh So, Gunnar Watson in this one, 26 of 38, 333 yards, three touchdowns, but two picks for Troy – um, I don't put a lot on uh, ESPN's quarterback rating stat, but his quarterback rating, I believe, out of 100 was 32. Um, you know, say, like I said, I don't put a lot of uh, uh, I don't put a lot of uh, stock into that. Yeah, but their QBs are pretty screwed, uh, pretty skewed. Mm-hmm. So I will say, uh, Kimani Vidal uh, was probably the second most valuable player for Troy in this one. Uh, 143 yards on just 13 carries uh, and a score. You know, maybe it's time to just get this guy more touches, especially when you're you're playing a, game, a team, an FCS team against Eastern Kentucky that's kind of surging. Maybe it's time to give that guy the ball a little bit more. I mean, his longest carry of the game was 27 yards, so clearly he was ripping off multiple runs, uh, long runs, if his, uh, you know, 13 carries, 143 yards, your longest carry is like 30 yards. I mean, maybe it's time to get this guy more touches if he's averaging 11 yards a carry. 100%. I mean, you got to – and I understand Troy is a pass-first offense, but, I mean, you, you got to feed what works, you know, and – you know, if if the running game isn't your isn't usually your strong suit, but it's working against the teams you're playing, then that's that's what you have to rely on. And I, I think Arkansas, I mean, I think Troy is having a a hard time 
committing to that because that's not their style. I mean, in my opinion, you have to make it your style. I mean, that's what I'm getting at. And they're just having, they're just having a hard time doing it. If you are not trailing by, by multiple scores, you have, and you're running the ball that efficiently, you know, you have a running back going for 11 yards a carry. It's kind of the problem that I have with Georgia Southern and Wesley Kennedy. He's so efficient with his touches. Why doesn't he just get more touches? And, and, and like I said, you know, they were having trouble scoring in the second half, especially this helps everything. It helps open up the passing game. It helps run the clock, especially your defense is having trouble stopping, you know, an FCS quarterback in Parker McKinney. You got to run the ball, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't care personally if it's your style or not. If you're being efficient and you're just trying to get out of there with the win, you can't be picky. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, um, that that's definitely an issue that Troy seems to have. They can't get away from the passing game, which you know that that that's an issue if you're if your running back is being putting up some ridiculous numbers. I mean, eleven yards—that's a first down every time he touches the football. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, his longest run was twenty-seven yards. Yeah, and you know, I, 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 while we were talking, I, I looked up Gunnar Watkins' stats on SportsReference.com, and for the Eastern Kentucky game, they have his QBR. You know, I think this is skewed too. They have his QBR listed as one fifty-seven point six. Maybe a little high. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little high. His season <laughs> QBR is one forty-three point two. Yeah, I mean, just taking into account this game specifically, you know, I I, I feel like uh, I don't tr- like I said I don't trust uh, ESPN's QBR stat. It, it factors in a lot of things that are kind of out of the quarterback's hands a lot of times. Um, I will say, you know, his passer rating uh, overall, uh, it it's been pretty good this year. Uh, Weirdly, I go to look up Troy's stats on uh, ESPN, and it brings me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers stats. Uh, I don't really understand that, but apparently Tom Brady is doing pretty well. Um, He's not having a bad year. Correct. Uh, So in this one, Troy moves to 3-1 and this season. Uh, Eastern Kentucky drops to 1-4. and Uh, Getting into the last game of Saturday, uh, Georgia Southern pretty, pretty well handled. Uh, UMass 41 to zero. I hate to say this about UMass because they've had a rough football season. It looked like they went to the stands and just collected like 53 people and just put them on the field against Georgia Southern. Like they, they didn't seem to have any real plan. I, I understand that they only play, they've only played one game to this point. It was that bad level of execution. Yeah. You know, you know, it, it's hard when, like like you said, you know, if you're only going to play one game in a year, it, it's it's hard to be prepared for that. Um, you know, th- this is just such a crazy, crazy year that we're we're in, and um, and then also, you know, I, I can't stress this enough: they've never really been a good football team. No. no. Um, UMass is not known for their football program. 
Mm-mm. So yeah, I mean, I yeah, I kind of expected it to be one of those games where Georgia Southern came out, worked on what they needed to work on, and got a big win in the process. And you know, that's exactly what you saw on Saturday. I think I think Georgia Southern is, is starting to put together what starting to piece together what their issues are and work to correct them. And, you know, I, I think I think that's going to be crucial for, for you guys down the stretch. I hope you're right because next week's game against Coastal is going to be a real uh, tough test on the road in Conway. Um, I, I'm not going to go on about this too long because, like I said, it was, it was kind of a lose-lose proposition for Georgia Southern in my mind. If they blew the UMass out, great. That was what was expected of you. It was indicated by the, the line being 31 points. Right. If they didn't, then it was time to really get concerned. The one thing that I'll drop in about this game and then we can move on, uh, they were doing a lot of weird things offensively, Georgia Southern was. It seemed like they were workshopping a lot of plays that they should be running in games where they absolutely Like, say, the Louisiana game where they scored 18. They were running a lot of, like... Like, Wesley Kennedy got a reverse that went 56 yards for a touchdown. Like, they were running, like, pop passes with shy words. I mean, it was just, like, a lot of really easy stuff that should be used in an actual game when it counts and not against UMass in a game where they could have run the ball up the middle every play and won. Yeah, no, there, there, there's no, no doubt about that. Um, you know, Georgia Southern's – I only caught the highlights, but Georgia Southern's offense looked – you know the 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 best I've best I've seen so far this year, and you know, like you said, that that was the style that they probably should have ran against us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you play that kind of offensive game, you you probably beat Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, it it goes back to how conservative uh, Bob DeBest, the offensive coordinator, is in games where you absolutely need points. It's it's so weird because it goes he goes the opposite direction. If you're playing a team where you need a ton of points to beat them, like Louisiana, he goes ultra conservative and tries to run the ball up the middle every play. And then you play a team like UMass, and he's breaking out reverses and and like play action pop passes for touchdowns and all this stuff they didn't even attempt that against louisiana which is what baffled me on saturday i didn't i didn't understand why they decided to break this out four games into the season did you guys finally get the um opening drive touchdown yes we got one one for 31 baby hey Uh, time Hey, everybody loves a point zero zero three uh, success rate. Um, so Georgia Southern moves to three and one with that win. UMass drops to zero and one. Uh, let's get into these next week's slate of games uh, coming up this Thursday. Uh, Arkansas State travels to App uh, to take on App, who has had a couple weeks off just because of a huge COVID outbreak among their team, among their school in general. Uh, App is an 11-point favorite in this game. Do you think that's too many points for them to be catching coming off of two weeks of basically just not playing football? Yep, very high. I agree. Very high. And, you know, Arkansas State having the electric offense that they they have, App State being 
like I said, one of one of their weaker teams since joining the Sun Belt. I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas State finds a way to pull this one out. I wouldn't be either. Um, from a betting perspective, I would definitely bet Arkansas State plus 11 here. Uh, if you can get it early, I think this line is going to reduce down before Thursday's kick. Um, I don't think Arkansas State wins outright, but I definitely think it's a touchdown difference uh, when it's all said and done. Like I could definitely see this, the final score of this one being 31-27 yeah. uh, app. Um I think App overall is a better football team, but I think Arkansas State's going to be able to keep it close and score some points. I mean, we'll see. Uh, you know, they Arkansas State, we've said it every week, still hasn't really resolved the quarterback situation. But, I mean, when you have two quarterbacks combining for, you know, seven touchdowns and 500 yards, maybe you don't have to. The, the biggest thing for App State is going to be the rust. Yeah. Because I mean, it it was I, again. I, I don't want to keep bringing up the UL Coastal game, but you know, I, as good as Coastal is, I think we I still think we were the better football team going mm-hmm. into that game. And you know the 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 rust for not playing in two or three weeks was was evident. Um, yeah. it it was it was completely a thing. And so, you know, I, th- I think that that's going to be something that App's going to have to have to deal with Thursday night. And I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be something that Sean Clark as a head coach hasn't experienced. And, you know, you just put all those things together. I think Arkansas State has a, has a serious chance of winning this football game. Uh, especially if App decides to go ultra conservative like they have, have this year. Um but we'll we'll have to see. That's a seven thirty kick on Thursday night. Uh, moving on to Friday, your Louisiana Raging Cajuns go to Alabama, Birmingham to take on UAB. Uh, from a betting perspective, this one looks like a little bit of a coin flip. UAB only getting two points at home. How do you feel about your team's chances of this game? Do you think they end up coming away with a victory in this one? It's a winnable game. I'm gonna I'm say that. Um, you know, UAB, they are they are a good football team. They are a good program. Uh, Bill Clark has done a lot of good things over there in Birmingham since bringing the program back 2017, 2018, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, wa- watching them play, I-, I watched them play twice this year, knowing that we were going to eventually have a game with them. And they don't do anything special. Mm-hmm. They, they, they run a basic spread offense. Um, now, don't get me wrong, they have talent, but you're also they're also missing their starting quarterback, Tyler Johnson III. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's been out for the past couple weeks, I want to say with a neck injury that he suffered in like their first game this year. Uh, so and, and their backup has done well in his in his absence, but I, their offense, you, you can tell their offense is still missing something. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think if I think if we if Louisiana cleans up the mental mistakes that we made against Coastal Carolina, you know, the penalties and the the drop passes and God, dude, the drop passes. I keep I keep thinking about the third and sixth play with five minutes left in the ball game when 
Levi Lewis throws a quick check down to Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell has 35, 40 yards of green grass in front of him. Ball bounces off his fingertips and hit the turf. Yeah. Like that just can't happen. No. Um, so, and, and that, that's an easy fix. That's a fixable issue, but you know, I, I think if, I think if Louisiana can clean up those issues, I mean, two points at home, obviously you get three points for being the home team. So really it's sitting right now as a one point favorite for the Cajuns. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think we can go to Birmingham and, play well and get a win for sure. This is tough for me because looking at the teams that UAB has played this year, um, you know, I I honestly think their most impressive performance was playing at Miami and keeping it, I mean, relatively close, you know, for, for a group of five school to go play a power five school, especially one like Miami, who's only lost this far as to Clemson. I mean, to, to just lose 31-14, I mean, Miami's a good football team. And, you know, we've talked about this before. You know, the Central Co- Conference USA, rather, is is not anything to write home about outside of, like, Marshall. Um, so I don't really know what to make of this team. Uh, I'm going to uh, stick with Louisiana. I think they come away with a win in this one on the road. Uh, and like you said, maybe if Tyler Johnston the third was playing, I would give UAB more of a shot. But if Bryson Lucero is playing quarterback for them, I'm going to tentatively take uh, Louisiana just because of their track record and the way that they've played against most of their teams this year. I mean, Coastal's a really good football team, and they only Louisiana. You guys only lost by a last second field goal, so I'll tentatively take Louisiana over UAB here. You know. I'll- uh, I'll say this. I'll say this in closing. If Tyler Johnson was on the field Friday night, I don't see us winning the football game. Yeah, he's really good. I, I don't see us winning the football game, and not having him the last couple of weeks has been a huge blow for UAB. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to a to a good football game Friday night for sure. So that game at 8 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, let's get into the Saturday games. The noon kick, uh, which may arguably be the biggest uh, – well, I guess not arguably. It is the biggest Sunbelt on Sunbelt contest of the weekend. Uh, Georgia Southern, my Eagles travel to Conway to take on Coastal Carolina. Uh, Coastal is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um I mean, I think Coastal wins this game. I think they cover the six and a half. Uh, Georgia Southern has been way too spotty this year. Uh, they both play up and down the competition. Um, and when they play, quote unquote, up to competition, they still lose. Uh, so I, unless Bob the Best pulls some of those plays out from last week and runs them against Coastal, they're not going to be able to do what they think they're going to be able to do, which is run J.D. King right up the middle 40 times. Um, so I think Coastal's just much more explosive. I think their defense is, is much more together than Georgia Southern's is. Uh, I think Coastal wins this game by a touchdown. Yeah, I, I'd have to I'd have to agree on that one. Coastal Carolina's... There's, 
there is something special in the water in Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're just doing everything right. For sure. And I, I don't I don't think that's gonna stop this Saturday. And the one thing that's been an Achilles heel for Georgia Southern going back to even, I mean, I would go as far back to say as when Jeff Munkin was a coach uh, for the Eagles, they cannot defend the pass. Uh, They've had like one good season since I've attended that school, which was 2010, where they effectively stopped teams from throwing the ball and they won the conference title that year. Uh, Outside of that, they've just been below average past defense. Um, you know, they were okay in 2018 when they went, when we won 10 games, but since then it's just been regression on top of regression as far as stopping teams from throwing the ball. And I just think Grayson McCall is going to torch them through the air. I've seen, I've seen this, this play too many times. Um, I just, like I said, think, I think coastal wins by a touchdown. I think the final score is something like 28, 21. Um, I, I guess that's all there is to really say about this one. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in in Georgia Southern to be able to win a big game outside of when they get up for App State. Um, you know, going through and getting into the four o'clock kick, Georgia State travels to Troy. Uh, you know, Troy catching two and a half here. This could look a lot like Georgia State's game last week against Arkansas State. I could see that each team scoring a ton of points. I'm going to call for the Georgia State upset here. I think they get their first Sun Belt win against Troy. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I think Troy's defensive issues will continue. I think Quad Brown and, you know, especially the big receivers that he's got, Sam Pickney, and I'm drawing a blank on the other guy's name. Um, who Who is the other receiver that they have? Kalen Geiger. No, that's a Troy. Oh, the the receiver for Georgia State. Yeah, they've got Sam Pickney, and then they got another guy, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. Let me see. I'm going to get it right here. Uh, Cornelius McCoy. Another Cornelius. Yeah, I, I think I think those two guys, um, and then Destin Coates in the backfield has has been insane this year. I think I think that is just going to be too much for. Um, Troy to handle from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, uh, Georgia Georgia State gets their first conference win and deservedly so. Yeah, I I don't believe in either of these teams' defenses. Uh, when we're recording this on Tuesday, I don't see an over under on this game. However, whatever it is, feel pretty comfortable taking the over. Um, I think I think these two teams could easily combine to score ninety in this one. Uh, neither team plays a ton of uh, defense, and Tr- Troy has been able to score some points. Georgia State can obviously score as we saw last week, but I think Georgia State comes out on top. Um, so I feel pretty comfortable taking them in this one. Um, going to the seven o'clock game, UL Monroe travels to Mobile to take on South Alabama. South Alabama, 14 and a half point favorite as of the recording of this. I, I think they win by more than that. I think this one's a blowout. South Alabama has at least showed the ability to be a competent football team. UL Monroe, outside of uh, the comeback game against Georgia Southern, has not really shown that. They just got smoked 40-7 to by Liberty the last game they played. Give me South Alabama. You could put whatever line you want on this one. I think South Alabama wins big. Oh, yeah. Um, not not even not even close. Um, 
Mon- Monroe. I, 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 I've run out of nice things to say about Monroe. I mean, they're, they're just not good. Um, yeah, South Alabama, Desmond Trotter, Carlos Davis, um, Jalen Tolbert. The, the, it, it gets ugly in, in Mobile Saturday night. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to talk about this one too, too much. Um, you know, I think it's a pretty, pretty straight up uh, game to pick. I mean, South Alabama is just right now is is competent. Like I said, they're probably like middle of the conference as like Coastal was last year. And UL Monroe is the, the bottom of the bottom as far as football goes in the Sun Belt. Uh, yep. So moving into our last game of the night, uh a tough task for Texas State to draw. They travel to Provo uh, for a 9-15 central time kick against BYU. Uh, BYU a 30-point favorite in this one. Uh, we saw Troy try to do this exact same thing with a late kickoff, and BYU was able to pop off and score 48. I feel pretty comfortable taking the 30, which is crazy to say for BYU, but they can easily score 70 points in any game that they play. Uh, Zach Wilson right now I, I've seen on ESPN is pretty much on the Heisman watch list, even though, you know, Trevor Lawrence has been incredible, but he's not playing a lot of second halves of football games or fourth quarters. Um, yeah, I, I think BYU wins by a ton here and just keeps rolling. I don't think Texas State's even as good as Troy is this year. So, uh, I mean, if Troy wasn't able to keep it within 41 of BYU, I don't see any reason why Texas State would. Yeah, um, BYU is on a whole nother level this season. Um, I, I think I think they could actually contend for a spot in the playoff. Um, Zach Zach Wilson, he's he's the second best quarterback in this draft class, behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, I mean, they're they're five games into the year, and he has sixteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns passing the ball and completing completing 75% of his passes. So, I mean, the, the kids, the kids going to play on Sundays and could have a very long career playing on Sundays. Um, And, you know, this is a different BYU offense than we've seen, because I can remember when, you know, Taysom Hill was, was in Provo. It was a, it was a run. It was it was kind of a run first, but the pass is there, throw the ball kind of thing. And I mean, obviously that's not the case anymore because their leading rusher only has four hundred yards on the year. I mean, I don't want to say only four hundred yards because that's eighty three yards a game, but you know, clear clearly they're relying more on the pass game now than than BYU used to. So Zach Wilson is completing seventy nine percent of his passes this year. That is absurd. Um, so number one credit to him. Number two credit to their offensive coordinator, to their head coach. They're clearly drawing up a lot of easy completions for him, and teams are just not able to stop them. Essentially, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at their schedule. The only real test in my mind uh, with the Mountain West kicking back up. Uh, on uh, November 6th, they travel to Boise State. I think that's going to be the only tough test they had this year on their schedule. They've pretty much rolled through every other team they've played. And 
until the Mountain West said that they were going to start back up, they really had a, a cakewalk of a schedule remaining. So, you know, I, I think they keep rolling in this one. I don't think it's too tough to, to take BYU, rather. Um, but, yeah, closing out, what are you looking for this weekend in Sunbelt play? What are you interested in? You know, and uh, kind of give us your final thoughts on this slate. That Georgia Southern Coastal Carolina game is going to be interesting. Um, I think Georgia State Troy is going to be another interesting one. And I love that they're basically back-to-back. Um, and then, obviously, you know, as a, as a Louisiana fan, I'm looking forward to the Louisiana UAB game Friday night. But, man, don't, don't, don't sleep on that Thursday night contest and boom, App State, Arkansas State. That, that could be a surprise pick for Sunbelt Game of the Week. I, that's what I'm looking for the most from from this weekend of games. Uh, I think Arkansas State App State is going to be <clears throat> a really good test for both of these teams. Uh, like we've 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 said, what our issues are with the way that App State's running their team this year, uh, and Arkansas State doesn't play a ton of defense. But when you match that up against an App team that's been fairly conservative this year, you know it's it's essentially weakness on weakness, and it's like when push comes to shove, which one of those teams is going to be able to resolve their issues more effectively. So that's the game I'm looking for uh, this weekend. Um, You know, to close out, Matt, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. You can find me on all social media platforms at Miguez Matt. And as always, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, anywhere you're looking for me on social media at watch the stone. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll be back next week.